praise you. Bless us all. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God. Amen. You may be seated. This All Saints Day was November the 1st, this past Wednesday, but many churches, you know, usually this Sunday uh, following uh, of their New Year usually have a service. Not all churches do, but many Catholic Protestant churches do. I'm glad we do. I think it's a beautiful service, a wonderful time to remember. I'm not only wanting you to remember them in this service, but also um, many of them gathered around this altar, or maybe the altar you grew up in and knelt with you. I want you to think about that too as we share in communion. The title of the sermon this morning is Living, Living in Fruitfulness. And so I want us to continue to think on that theme throughout the sermon, but also communion and as we remember these that have gone on before us. And uh, the scripture that I read earlier to you is probably the most common used. Probably many, many churches will be reading from the passage, and I'm going to read it again just so you can hear it again. But I want to remind you before I read from Hebrews 12 that Hebrews 11th chapter is just people who have gone on before. That's the hall of faith. Hebrews 11, where it talks about, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Jacob, and by faith, Isaac, and by faith, Noah. And so the Bible is making us remember these and think back of these who followed God in faith. And then we could look on it in the New Testament as, uh, by faith, Simon Peter, and by faith, Paul, and all the rest of the disciples, and by faith, Mary Magdalene came to Jesus, and the mother of Jesus, Mary, and we could go on and on. And then we add ours, our loved ones, A.D. Powell, my granddaddy, and Sarah Powell, and Glennie Beck, my grandmother, by faith. And so we, we add those names, and the Bible remembers them. And so then it says in Hebrews 12, 1, after acknowledging those that we remember, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I wonder how many motivational speeches were given yesterday before football games or during halftime to step it up a notch. And so this is kind of a, a motivational speech for us to keep on. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus Looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Y'all know I quote, and y'all get tired of hearing it, but my grandmother Beck is where I get that quote, keep on keeping on. That's what this is saying. Keep on keeping on. Run the race with endurance. Look to Jesus. He's the one who's the author and finisher of your faith. We got to go on. I was probably about 11, might have been 12. I remember being in the sixth grade. I remember getting checked out of school and my grandmother Norton died. I was blessed to have three great grandmothers. I was about 12, like I say, when grandmother Norton died, but I had my great grandmama Green. She lived to be 100. And then there was Mama Powell. And any of you that may have gone down to the Camp Sumatago when you were a kid about 60 years ago or 70, Mamaw Powell and my great-grandmother Norton that I'm speaking about, there's a picture in the 
in the cookbook at Camp Sumatonga, and both of my great-grandmothers are in there because they cooked at the pool camp. Grandmother Norton was kind of the patriarch of our family as far as the Norton side. That's on my mama's side. But I guess for the first time, I realized death and the grief, and I kind of understood a little bit more because when I got checked out, mama was crying, so that was her grandmother. And I remember being there at the funeral and seeing Uncle B.J., Uncle Steve, and my grandmother, Sarah, Sarah Powell, and them grieving over the loss of their mama. And I, it became real to me, and I thought about all of that. And, and again, I guess that's the first time that it became real to me. Since then, I've became a pastor, and I have uh, I've preached quite a few funerals. I shared this story in the early service. John Freeman and his grandsons, I've taken all them turkey hunting, in fact, Trip, uh, he and I just went this spring, and Trip knows that I always pray with whoever we go with. We have to pray and glorify God, the creation, the sun's coming up. But I was with Bradley, one of John and Margie Freeman's grandsons, and we had prayed together, and uh, Bradley always crosses himself when we pray, and so we're in the woods, and we're sitting there, and, and he knew, and I've hunted with him quite a bit, he knew from time to time I might get a phone call that I'd have to deal with as a pastor. And I got a phone call. I said, Bradley, I need to take this. Someone has passed away, and this is their family, so I need to talk with them. And so we're in the woods, me and a 13-year-old. And we're there, and I prayed with this person, God's grace in their lives. After we got through, he said, do you like going to funeral homes? I said, well, no, not really. I mean, I don't enjoy it, but I have to, you know. And he said, I don't like going. And I mentioned to him how many funerals I had had. I had, qu had quite a few. He said, man, I couldn't stand doing that. He said, you need to pay somebody to do that. You need to quit doing all them funerals. And I said, well, Bradley, it don't work that way, you know. Our theme for our generosity this year is uh, bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. I want you to think about who in your life, it may have been somebody you just lit a candle for, who in your life were people that did bear godly fruit? And you know they did. In fact, you're still reaping the harvest of the fruit that they bore for the kingdom of God. You and I are still blessed with that. Listen to this scripture in Colossians 1.10. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. That's a good goal. That you may live a life worthy of the Lord. And there were people who've gone on before who've lived a life that was worthy of the Lord. And there's a second thing, and please Him in every way. And then the third thing, bearing fruit in every good work. And then the fourth thing that Colossians 1 says, growing in the knowledge of God. So we live worthy of the Lord, please Him in every way. We bear fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Great goals for us to set. But people before us set them, and they lived a life like that. Romans 6, 21 and 22 says it this way. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? Sometimes I come to communion, and I bring some rotten fruit sometimes of some things I'm ashamed of. But then that doesn't end there. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of these things is death. But verse 22, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit 
to holiness and the end, everlasting life. So fruit matters. It matters what kind of fruit we produce in our lives. Did you hear about the little boy who used to escape in the middle of the night out his bedroom window? He would climb down a huge, big fruit tree. Sometimes if he was punished and he'd be sent to his room, he would sneak out and again he would climb down that big old fruit tree to the ground. One day his father came in and said, we're going to chop down that fruit tree. Well, the boy was alarmed, you know. We've got to cut down that fruit tree, the dad said, because it has, it has not borne any fruit in a number of years, so I'm going to cut that fruit tree down. Well, the boy got to thinking. He got a friend of his, and they went and bought a bushel of apples. And that night after dark, they slipped down. They got a, they got a, uh, a ladder out of the garage, and, and they got some real fine fishing line, and they tied apples all in that fruit tree, just full of apples. They went on to bed. The daddy got up the next morning and came out and was just astounded. Couldn't believe it. All the fruit, all these apples, all of this tree. And called his wife out there. It's a miracle. This tree hadn't borne any fruit in years. And all of a sudden, I'm going to cut it down. And look, it's got, it's got apples all over it. She was amazed too. He said, but the bigger miracle is this. It's a pear tree. What kind of fruit are you producing in your life? Is it genuine? Is it genuine? Is it real? Is it, is it the right kind of fruit? We get apples from an apple tree. We get, you know, we get pears from a pear tree. It's the principle of God. Seed time and harvest all the way back. But then God uses this principle throughout the Bible to teach us about the fruit in our lives. So what kind of fruit are you producing in your life? You're, you're producing some type of fruit, and so am I. And so are all those who've gone on before us. They, they had fruit in their lives. And I realize sometimes my fruit's rotten. I've not always produced good fruit. And I'm among some others that perhaps you haven't either. But I want you to think about it. Are, are there persons in your life, in your past, who produced just good old godly fruit that still to this day influences you and impacts your Christian walk? I can think of people. You can too. Are you living your life so to leave godly fruit for the next generation? It, it matters to the next generation what kind of fruit you leave. It matters to God what kind of fruit we leave. Over the last few weeks, and I'll emphasize it again next week, I've made reference back to you about a book that your church used about seven and a half years ago, Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations. Bishop Robert Schnees wrote that book, and he's rewriting another one ten years later. And I put again in the, in the announcement sheet, you can see these. I'm going to say them a couple of times, but here are the five practices. Hospitality, worship, intentional faith development, mission and service, and generosity. He added some adjectives in front of it, but radical hospitality, passionate worship, intentional faith development. You're intentional about your spiritual formation. You're intentional about your discipleship. 
risk-taking mission and service, and then extravagant generosity. Again, you can look at that list, and I've got some pieces of paper that will give you a little more detail. You can read it in about five, eight minutes. You can meditate over these five practices. This list are just goals, they are actions, they are practices, they are areas in our lives that we should surrender in, we should grow in, and we should commit to in our walk with God. As we think about All Saints Day and the candles we just lit, and people who made godly influences and differences in our lives, I want you to think about, did these saints often live out their faith in these five practices lifted, listed above? I want to say that they probably did. I can go back to Red Hill United Methodist Church. And I could remember several names and some of them I'm kin to. But I remember one man I was not kin to. His name was Claude Harris. Claude was faithful. He was there every Sunday. He cared about worship in his life. He was always example of hospitality. You could just count on him. He would train us young boys and I can remember as a kid and as a teenager he would line us up he, he trained us to take up the offering and be the ushers and he was passionate about worship I can remember many a time as a young boy that when the preacher would call on Claude Harris to pray if I was up close I'd keep one eye open and I'd watch Mr. Harris because when he prayed it's like heaven opened up his lips would quiver as he approached his God. And I remember tears. I'd keep one eye open. I remember watching a tear come down Claude Harris's face. He worshiped God, not only corporately, but individually. And you could tell it. He bore fruit for the kingdom that I remember to this day. He also was one who was always generous. And if there was a volunteer that needed to be a servant for missions or service, you could count on him. He was there. He set an example. He bore. He lived out godly fruit got people that did the same and some of you are those people you're bearing fruit that others are watching you it matters what kind of fruit we produce it needs to be genuine but oftentimes these prayer practices pastor I mean Tyler grew up in a pastor's home his dad's a pastor he's been in many churches I've pastored many churches he has uh, Ken was in the early service as pastors we can go back and I can name people at every church who practice hospitality and worship and faith development and mission and service and were generous people. And that was the fruit that they bore. What kind of fruit are you bearing for the kingdom of God? There is a hymn in our song, but we don't sing it. I should have gotten with Russ. And, but I wanted you to hear the words. I'm not even going to tell you the num page number. You can look it up later. Charles Wesley wrote the hymn, it's called Let Us Join Our Friends Above, written in the 1700s, Let Us Join Our Friends Above, hear the words to it, come and let us join our friends above who have obtained the prize, and on the eagle wings of love to joys celestial rise, let saints on earth unite to sing with those to glory gone. For all the servants of our King in earth and heaven are one. One family we dwell in Him, one church above, beneath. Though now divided by the stream, the narrow stream of death, one army 
of the living God. To his command we bow, and part of his host have crossed the flood, and part are crossing now. Ten thousand to their endless home this solemn moment fly, and we are to the margin come, and we expect to die. And now by faith we join our hands with those that went before and greet the blood, the sprinkled bands on the eternal shore. Our spirits too shall quickly join like theirs with glory crown and shout to see our captain sign and to hear this trumpet sound. Oh, that we now might grasp our guide. Oh, that the word were given. Come, Lord of hosts. The waves divide and land us all in heaven. Are you living a life of fruitfulness? As you and I prepare to come to communion, we're going to be coming in, to a place of communion to this table that we've been able to come loved ones for years and years and years. I want to go back and challenge you with those four stages in Colossians 1, 10, those goals as you come to communion. So that you may live a life that is worthy of the Lord, that you may please Him in every way, bearing fruit on every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. All the way back in Genesis, the third chapter, it all had to do with some fruit on some trees. Just don't eat the fruit of this one. You know what happened. I don't blame Adam and Eve. We know for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We, we would have taken that fruit. And that fruit didn't turn out too good. So I thank God for this table that allows us to come with all of our unfruitfulness and, and our rottenness of fruit sometimes. And I come with mine. But thank God we have a table that we can come at. What kind of fruit are you living for the kingdom? Let's pray together. Almighty God, bless your word. May we respond to it. And we thank you, God, for this table. And we thank you, God, for people who have gone on before us and knelt beside us at this, this altar and taken communion with us. Thank you, God. Help us, O oh God, to bear fruit for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Our liturgy is found on page 12 and page 13. If you will take your hymnal, again, it's page 12 and 13. As you're turning there, let me remind you that in the United Methodist Church, we do have open communion. You will be guided by the ushers in just a moment to come and share in communion. And uh, you do not have to be a member of our church in order to take communion. If you choose not to, we respect that, but we want to invite you to come and be a part of this if you so choose. Tyler will now lead us in page 12 in the invitation. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sins and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your rebelled against your laws. We have not loved our neighbor. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. 
Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Continue the great thanksgiving on page 13. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right. And it is a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, his death, and then his resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You delivered us from the slavery of sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and by the Spirit. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, he gave thanks to you, he broke the bread, he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, he gave thanks to you, he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us gathered here, God, and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Jesus Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Ask those who are going to help us serve and the ushers. The ushers will come ahead and, and kneel down. And, and again, uh, the ushers will guide you following the choir. If y'all will come and kneel down, we'll serve you. <laughs> 